0: I hear from all of my um friends who are a part of this moment and, and are leading on the front lines is a need for greater investment in communities a need for rebuilding and
1: really all right we got whitmer on the horn not really we didn't get her uh wxyz news got her so abc got her the left wing got her um as they always do but we've got an interview from whitmer we're gonna be uh we are gonna be just tearing her apart um not intentionally. Uh, she just does it to herself, and it's it's really hard not to do. So uh, we're going to be doing that. We've also got a really interesting opinion piece uh, that I'm going to be talking about. There is, ooh, so much. John James uh, had an interview. Uh, we're going to be looking at that. People breaking the law, sympathetically making the news. And why is John James exactly right We'll be looking at all that and more. I'm Thomas Fry. This is the Home Politicast. All right, this might be a longer show, so strap in and uh, get yourselves ready. We're going to be looking first at this interview, just because I want to get it out of the way. Um, so Whitmer had an interview on WXYZ, Detroit, ABC outlet. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's about six and a half minutes, but I did want to call out Whitmer for blatantly lying. Um, so let's, let's, uh, let's check this out. This
0: movement that's grown across the country, it's calling for serious change, including abolishing departments or redirecting funds for police. And in Detroit's last budget, 9 million went to the health department to cover things like social services. DPD got $300 million. So do you support defunding police? so what i hear from all of my um friends who are a part of this moment and and are leading on the front lines is a need for greater investment in communities, a need for rebuilding and really leveling the playing field through uh, better schools and better transportation and better access to healthcare, And those are things that I absolutely support. Uh, this, I think this moment in this country um, can't just be a moment. It really has to be the time for change. And that's precisely why uh, I joined Marchers last week. George Floyd's memory has got to, um, I know it hurts, it's visceral and there's too many stories just like his. And too many people in our country live in fear of the police. What we need to do is have real reforms, yes, but it also needs to be accompanied by the kind of investment in communities that, that um, has for too long been shortchanged uh, You mentioned uh, uh, Marching last
1: week Alright so we're, we'll get into those investments In the community that she's talking about In a minute But did you notice how the question was phrased 9 million went to health services While 38 million Went to police Yeah dude You're in Detroit There's a lot of crime The police are underfunded as it is I I guess defund the police. Yeah, get rid of it. See how that crime rate skyrockets. You will not be able to live in or around Detroit ever again if you defund the police and get rid of them because nobody will ever want to be a cop again because you know who's going to be targeted first? All those cops you just fired. They're going to all be dead. Nobody's going to want to be a cop in Detroit ever again. Do it. Please defund the police. Don't do it, please! Don't do it. I am. I'll, you are gonna. You are gonna kill a lot of people if you do that. The community investments. what is what is that gonna do to stop crime? You know what's gonna stop crime is less fatherless homes, um, less single mothers that are living on the state. That will. That will help children grow and develop and be protected by their father. I had a, I had a story about a father that sunk $50,000 into a home that he's rebuilding for his family. He went to go take a shower because he works all day and then works on the house to give his family a place to live. And then he had a fire. And all that just went right out the window. That is the kind of family that these young black people need that is the kind of man around that they need and black women need to stop getting with men that are just going to take off. You can't I'm I'm yeah, I'm white. Sorry. I'm I'm going to tell you that anyway. I'm white women. You need to start stop getting with men that are just going to take off. You need to marry the man that that gives you your child or you need to not give him a child because that is one of the biggest indicators of poverty in america you are in a fatherless home um, if you've never had your father around influencing you loving you teaching you to live that th- there's just you're you're gonna have a bad time um there's a there's a brookings institute study that tells this that children and sing in two parent families Always do better than children in one-parent families. It is it is a statistical absolute that if you are in a two-parent family, you will have a much better shot at success in life. So, I don't know how sinking money into communities is going to do it. We've been sinking money into Detroit for too long, Gretchen Whitmer, and it hasn't helped. That city has been Democrat-controlled for the last 62 years. No, 58 years. Sorry. 58 years, has been in Democrats' hands. What are you talking about, Whitmer? You're a Democrat. Your people haven't done their job. So, or either that or your ideology isn't working. Um, so, I, you know what? Maybe Detroit needs to vote Republican. Maybe Detroit needs to clean up their streets. Maybe Detroit needs to do something to help the black community to help the, the people that are law abiding that are trying to make a living. Let's help those people, not the young men running around with guns and the young women staying home and just having a bunch of babies by a bunch of young dudes running around with guns. All right. All right. So I've rambled on about that long enough. Uh, let's continue with this, this next, uh, hardball question from WXYZ here to governor Gretchen Whitmer.
0: Uh, marching last week Uh, you've been advocating for social distancing during this pandemic your critics however are accusing you of not practicing what you preach when you marched in detroit last week so how do you respond to michiganders who see a double standard you know, I have never told people they can't demonstrate, even when they were demonstrating against me. The only thing I said was just try to do it. Please do it responsibly. Wear a mask. Try to stay six feet apart. Wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer. When I marched the other day, it wasn't always we weren't always able to stay six feet apart, but we all were wearing masks, the vast majority of us. And I, I kept my mask on, and so did the lieutenant governor and Mayor Duggan and a lot of the other ecumenical leaders, rabbis and um priests who who marched with us and bishops. Uh, The fact of the matter is we did it as responsibly, um, you know, as pursuant to all the CDC rules. We didn't shake hands. We didn't hug. We didn't high five like we usually do upon greeting. We took every effort to keep from spreading COVID-19 if if any of us had it. And um, I think that that's precisely how you demonstrate, how you raise your voice and do it safely in a global pandemic.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's not the hypocrisy we're talking about. The hypocrisy we're talking about is you going out to talk to a bunch of people that have burned three, no, four of your cities to the ground, and you won't come out and talk to peaceful protesters that are concerned that you are overstepping the Constitution. That is the hypocrisy we were talking about. You you little snake, you little snake, you slithered right past it, didn't you? And WXYZ just let you do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not letting Mrs. Frisbee around you. She'll get eaten right up because you are a snake. All right. So I guess a non-specific answer to a non-specific question. Uh, we're moving on because this guy is incompetent most of the time. Um, you know, if if I was in there, we'd be having a much better interview. Uh, which is, you know, shameless plug for the show. Uh, support us. You know, if you know anybody that has a business that may want to advertise with us, uh, let them know. Um, traffic on the website is always good. We had our first subscriber. Yay! So uh, <clears throat> keep doing all that. Uh, If you like the content and you want to keep it going. Uh, So, and by keep it going, I mean keep it growing, not like stopping this, because that's not happening. All right.
0: The past few days, Republican state leaders have called for you to reverse your nursing home policy, allowing COVID positive and negative patients in the same building. Uh, Is this something you are considering? So there hasn't been one nursing home that has taken a COVID-19 patient that they didn't think that they were prepared to care for. That's something that I think has gotten lost in some of the recording, and that's why I wanted to, to make sure to share that with you. Um, we have made it given nursing homes the ability to make that determination. We know that uh, patients who are residents need a place to go upon being discharged, and so that was one way of doing it. I think we've learned a lot in the last 10 weeks. We're gonna continue to work with um, the administration in nursing homes across Michigan. We know that older Michiganders are uniquely vulnerable and um, often have a, an additional condition that comes along with, with being an older person. And so it is really, important that we continue to um be nimble as we are learning best practices and, and make sure that we reflect those and, and lead here in michigan Leave here in michigan i think we've made great strides but it, the novel nature of this virus means that we're always learning and, and we're always going to have to continue to evolve
1: so that was a big fat lie not a single nursing home has been forced to take a patient that they didn't think they could handle um your executive order, Gretchen, determined that that was a lie. <clears throat> right in the executive order. Executive order 2020-84. Uh, you scroll down. Number two: a long care facility, long-term care facility must not prohibit admission or readmission of a resident based on COVID-19 testing, requirements or results in a manner that is inconsistent with relevant guidance issued by the department of health and human services. Okay. So they are not allowed. Yes, there is this provision that is inconsistent with relevant guideline issues issued by the department of health and human services. But what did, what guidelines have they enlisted? I can't find any. It looks to me like she's just making nursing home patients take their, you know, their people. Uh, and in, not even not not even taking old people uh you'll remember that there was a 20 year old that was admitted into a nursing home that had COVID-19 that beat the crap out of an elderly patient there yeah he was mentally disturbed but her uh her policy put that in there um so I don't I don't know what you're talking about Governor Whitmer you're you're a liar, liar, and your pants are on fire, um, which is very rude. You should put some more pants on because nobody wants to see that. All right, so I'm not gonna go through the rest of it because he he just asks super important questions like when can we gamble again and um oh yeah he finishes by asking uh, what do you, what else do you want to tell the people of Detroit you know as though they're the only ones that matter again. Um, <laughs> awesome so yeah that's our governor that's the news coverage of her um you know i i would love to hear what kind of questions my listeners would want to ask governor whitmer because uh, you know i'm always open to getting new ideas any listeners uh uh democrat republican left right center you know i i'm not sure how many of each i have of those but uh yeah, I'd love your your fan mail. We can take mail at the show now. Uh, so, yeah, go subscribe. Uh, we'll be sending out news news. I'm gonna try and figure out how to send out newsletters with it. Um, but yeah, so that's your governor. Um, let's move on. So John James is or did John James did an interview with them live, um, not video. Uh, so unfortunately we won't be able to play that, but, um, he did come out in support of increased training for police departments. We talked about that on Wednesday and, um, how ridiculous it is because Minnesota already has it. Minneapolis already has it. Um, so uh, that's more just pandering from James. Um, but, uh, he also says that, um, plans to defund the police department are quote insane, um, saying it would cause more harm in African American communities. Uh, which is the same exact thing I said. I agree with that. Uh, he also criticized Peter's bill to create a National Crime Justice Commission, which would study the entire criminal justice system and propose reforms. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I disagree with that. Um, another ABC outlet, uh, WNEM News, reported on Bill uh, Peter's bill, um, says or saying... It's trying to find ways of reducing crime, improving public safety, and promoting more equitable criminal justice practices. And it passed unanimously in the Senate. Nobody's reporting on what the bill is, so I'll have to do some digging to find that and read the actual text of it. Um, so with that, we'll move on. Now we get to the part that James is absolutely 100% about, um, or 100% right about. James acknowledged being a Republican means he would probably lose the majority of black voters during a private conversation with African American leaders in April. According to a transcript provided to MLive, James said Saturday that African American Republicans face a, quote, deep level of distrust, unquote, but he remains committed to having tough conversations with the black community. The next thing he says is absolutely brilliant. He says, one thing I'm saying when I go into these meetings is the fact that when 90% of african americans vote democrat then you're decentivized then you've decentivized either party to work for you james said i'm asking voters of all stripes to evaluate me based upon the character that i have the experience i have look at my actions and not the r by my name that's why he's exactly right um, and why why is he exactly why do of black people vote uh, Democrat. Well, it's because all the media that they get is Democrats telling them that they're oppressed, that they're being victimized and brutalized by the police unnecessarily. Democrats have largely come out in support of defunding the police. Um, So obviously, every single criminal has the Democrats' votes. Uh, the black people that see the news and know that they have a criminal in their family are going to vote Democrat because it's it's not that they believe they have a criminal. It's that they believe that the criminal was victimized wrongly by the police when most of the time he wasn't. He was committing a crime. He was arrested and prosecuted for the crime. And yet the the media constantly uses words like Racist and bigot um, to describe Republicans based on their principles. They believe that when you leave people free to succeed and give them the tools to succeed, like a family, a stable family, a stable home, where the father is present, protecting his family. When you give people that, that they will succeed, and you don't need the government to be a nanny. You don't need the government to be daddy. And because we don't think government should be daddy to everybody, and we think we should get rid of some of these social programs that are being heavily overused by single mothers, we should decentivize single motherhood. Because there are there are charities that help these women, um, there are places all over that will help them. They don't need to be reliant on a government check. That's just not right. So. That is why it's so hard for Black Republicans because there are a lot of Black voters that are simply used to the government giving them stuff and will not vote against it. Um, no, that not all Black people obviously ten percent do not vote Democrat. Uh, why is that? I think listening to that ten percent uh, would be a good idea because here's the here's the nasty little truth that the media will never tell you all the places where black people are doing the worst are Democrat run. Democrats have been in control of these black areas for so long. Why is it still so bad? It's either the policies you're enacting or the people are too incompetent to actually succeed. Those are the only two options. Well, there may be more, but those are the biggest two options, right? If your policies are so great, then they should be helping these people to succeed. Unless they're too incompetent to be able to use your policies to be able to succeed. So that either way, you're telling the people that they are, that you've got all this, these good things for them. But here, just let me give you one more. So let me, let me, let me, uh... Give you another thing. How is there's a, there's an old proverb everybody knows it. Uh, you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach a man a fish, and he eats for the rest of his life. Well, the government is a professional fish hander outer. Uh, I'm I'm making that a word. That's a that's an official title uh, for the government now. Uh, fish hander outer. This long rant that will probably get me you know called racist and. Um, a horrible person. At least I hope it does. That means that people are hearing it, um, so that would be great. Uh, so we're gonna move on because that was that was quite the long rant there. So John James released an ad actually uh, in solidarity with George Floyd. Um, you know, I'm gonna just play it on the show for you.
2: So cable news needs us to believe that America's divided, that we're at war with one another. Pick a side. But I don't buy it. Neither should you. Everyone agrees that the murder of George Floyd was a cowardly act of evil which demands justice. And everyone agrees that using Floyd's death as an excuse to loot and burn is criminal. I believe that Americans desperately want to come together. I believe that love is stronger than hate. I'm John James, and I approve this message. I'll be a unifier. Join me.
1: So that was the first one that he released. Um, There is a second one. So I'll be playing that, too. They're both very short and very, <clears throat> I think, good for John James. Um, I think he's he's taking the right path here. So here it is.
2: I'm John James. I approve this message. The murder of George Floyd was an evil act of cowardice. And the looting and burning of our cities dishonors the cause of justice. Politicians will never solve these problems. Only you and I can do that. no laws. No legislation can possibly change people's hearts, but you and I can, and God certainly can. I believe Americans want unity and leadership. Let us take what was meant for evil and turn it into good.
1: All right. So, good message there. Um, I I like I like listening to him. I think it's 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 tactically good for him as well, uh, because well, you know what. You know what? I'm just going to let it stand. Let him have his word. And uh, you guys decide for yourselves what you think about him. And
2: that's all I have to say about that.
1: All right. So now I'm actually going to do something um, which may sound a little weird, but uh, just go with it. So I'm going to string in a clip that I did yesterday when I got some breaking news. Um, so here's that. All right. So M Live ran an opinion piece by The Tilt. Um, I'm looking into them, I'm going to find out who they are, but this piece is by Brian Gu- Brian Guyan, I think. MLive has this piece, should police departments be cut to fund community programs? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to just go ahead and give you the short answer, no. No, you shouldn't do that. But he does make some good points in the article, so we're going to go over it because, hey, why the heck not? All right. So he talks about, uh, in the first paragraph, while there is a large spectrum in terms of what this actually means, referring to defunding the police, uh, proponents are in agreement about one principle. Police budgets should be reduced. Some say police should be defunded entirely. And that money should instead be reinvested in community programs that actually support social welfare goals rather than criminalization. Now, I'm not exactly sure what what he means by supporting criminalization. Um, he kind of he kind of put that up against you know the comparison between police and community programs. So community programs support social welfare. Police supports criminalization? Um, I'm going with no one now. I think the police actually deter criminalization. I'm uh, pretty sure that's actually what they exist for. So, uh, I, I, okay. We're going to just ignore that one because it's stupid. Uh, calls for defunding police recognize that police are overused to address too many societal problems. That, this I agree with. I actually agree with this wholeheartedly. Uh, homelessness, drug use, and many other petty crimes do not require armed police. Well, drug use might. Um, I've seen some pretty crazy things from people on drugs. So, I mean, yeah, if you're on some weird stuff and you're running around with a gun, firing and doing crazy, or run, even running around with a gun... Um, Doing insane things like, yeah, police are probably gonna have to stop. I mean, who's gonna? Who else is gonna stop you? Your doctor? You're not gonna send your doctor, seventy-year-old man, chasing around some drug addict. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Doctors being sent out to round up drug addicts? Okay, I'm I'm getting off track here. Uh, I just I I think that that's hilarious. But uh, so homelessness. Uh, there's a, a large problem with drug use and mental disorders in the homeless community. Um, so many many other petty crimes. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. So here's, here's why I agree with his statement that police are overused to address too many societal problems. Um, because there are too many people... Being told that their societal problems aren't actually problems, um, you know, it's saying that it's okay to be homeless, not arresting somebody for that. Uh, like, who, who in their right mind lives like that? Um, generally, it is not a result of just I can't. Um, I can't find a job. Generally, it's a result of I am unable to function as a human being. Um, possibly I can't find a job. Possibly, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to drugs. Possibly I'm, you know, th- there's, there's any number of things that could be wrong with somebody that is homeless. Um, and if there's not, there are programs to get you out of a homeless situation. Uh, I know. I've known a few people that have gone through uh, Christian programs that have brought them out of homelessness, uh, taught them to manage their money, taught them to manage their time, taught them you know, how life works, how we need to function as people in order to you know, sustain ourselves. So leaving people on the street that are m- mentally ill, um, we cannot do that. Because these people are unstable, there there's a possibility of violence from them. Um, it's very hard to, you know, catch a homeless guy after he's like, after he's done something. I mean, like, where do you go to find him? Um, so homelessness should not be encouraged at all. It should be illegal. Um, but we do need to address it differently. I think. You know, getting, getting these people, I almost want to say that this is an argument for institutionalization of people, but that can be misused too. I can, I can see that going horribly wrong. Like, um, you know, maybe some little prick at Grand Valley saying I'm mentally disturbed and, um, you know, I need to be put away into a mental institution and, some little prick liberal judge agrees with them, and then I go away forever. Uh, so uh, that does worry the hell out of me. Um, so you know, I, I, so here's here's my, here's my expert philosophical analysis because I know that's what you guys are here for. All right, my expert philosophical analysis. Uh, I was watching Minority Report the other day with my fiance. And she had never seen it. She thought it was really good. Uh, We talked about it a little bit afterward. And I made the point that in Minority Report, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, um, first off, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Second off, go watch it. Third, um, yeah, I'm about to tell you the plot of the movie. So they have this perfect system for catching murderers. Uh, They came upon it by accident, Um, some drug-addicted people were losing their children because they were drug addicted when they were pregnant. Um, these children were mentally challenged. Uh, they were, the, the doctors were experimenting with ways to fix these mentally ill kids and accidentally gave them powers to see the future. Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's a little far fetched, but so they, they see the future, um, only with regard to murder. Um, And there's a justification for it, I'm not going to go into that, but the point is that this perfect system did have a flaw, and that flaw was human. That is always the flaw in any system. We are human beings, we are sinful, Um, we are not capable of keeping a perfect system. Uh, I, I do have good news for you. Uh, there will be a perfect system, eventually. Uh, Jesus Christ will return. He will put an end to all sin. And uh, so, yeah, just trust in him. And, uh, yeah, that was that was my shameless gospel pitch for the day. So, only perfect system, Jesus Christ. Uh, all those systems are, uh, quite frankly, garbage. Um, and Brian actually brings up, later in the piece, um, the inefficacy of some police forces. And he, he says, so this is down in like paragraph five. Um, Chicago police failed to solve more than one in six homicides. It is not much better in many other cities. While they are failing to solve crimes, they are repeatedly killing black men and women, often for petty crimes. Now, I would like to see his uh, his um, reasoning for that or is his statistics for that uh, you know failing to solve crimes and repeatedly killing black men and women uh, like for one, um, how many black women have been killed for a petty crime? because that's a statistic I've never seen. I've never seen anybody, uh, give that statistic I've never I've never heard it talked about uh, to my knowledge black women are not committing crimes at a significantly higher rate than white women um, because women just in general don't commit crimes as often as men so I would like to see some justification for that um, and so this this claim that repeatedly killing black men I Don't think so. Uh, Fact check false, actually. I'm live. Um, Often for petty crimes. No. Uh, So last year, a total of nine unarmed black men were shot. Nine. So don't tell me that they are repeatedly killing black men for petty crimes. These people are committing crimes with guns on them. How do you think the police are supposed to respond? I posted a, a video on my Facebook. Uh, there's this cop and he's telling the telling the criminal, Don't you get in that car, don't you get in that car? And he's just pointing the gun at him, and the criminal's inching toward the car, and you know, he he ends up you know he ends up telling him not to do every single thing that he does. You know, he sits down in the car, uh, he reaches for the glove box. He opens the glove box, he grabs the gun, he points the gun at him. All the while, the cop is telling him not to do every single one of these things. This criminal is doing it all very slowly. And it says, how society thinks policing should be done. And, I, you know, I just, I resonated with that. Um, I was like, wow, yeah, people around here, like, they don't understand. They don't understand. This guy doesn't understand either um, what exactly police are facing. He's just, he's pushing a narrative. Um, he says it is infuriatingly common to see stories of police department with years or even decades long backlogs of rape kits that have not been tested or investigated. In one case, police left Lavinia Masters rape kit untested for more than 20 years. Yeah, we all heard about that one. Um. These are not aberrations. These are a common feature of policing across the United States. And it is only the tip of the iceberg. So, um, yes. Yes, Brian Guyon. Um, when you defund the police, when you take away their their funding, as we've been doing for years. When you villainize them. Uh, when you criminalize them. When, you, when you're not supporting your cops. Um, they're going to have a harder time supporting you. And I know about these, like these rape kits, how often do they have uh, the DNA that matches them? There's a reason they don't test every single rape kit that comes in. Testing is expensive. If they have a suspect, they can test against the rape kit. But without a suspect, without without having DNA to test against, what good is it going to do? They're going to test it. They're going to find out what DNA you know, they have and what they're going to test against every single future crime scene against that against every single rape kit like, do you have any idea how much manpower that would take? Uh, I mean because first off not all crime scenes require DNA um, you know analysis uh, it's, it's just it, it sounds ludicrous to me um, to to suggest that these failings are somehow the police's fault. I would ask them, you know, those one in six homicide cases that, you know, they, they have solved. Uh, should should we put those people back on the street just because the police didn't, you know, catch the rest of them? Um, I think even Brian Guyon would agree, no, we should not. So here's my take on this piece overall, because I've been ranting about it for a while. Uh... We shouldn't defund the police, for sure. That's stupid. We should rethink how we allow our society to operate, though. How we allow, you know, what we allow, what we don't. Um, I, I, I think we should not, definitely not normalize mental health issues. We should not say, oh, there's nothing wrong. We need to get people help when they have mental health issues. We need to somehow keep everybody free. Uh, so, yeah. You know what? We're going to move on because, um, yeah, I'm not in favor of defunding the police still. Brian Guyon. So, failed argument and we go. And to end the show, because I promised you uh, criminals being treated, you know, very, very wonderfully by the news. Here it is. Uh, letter from the editor, journalists record the pain of community protests, and they live it too. What, what, what bravery, what courage, what, um, what just, abs- okay, I'm done. So I'm live reporting this. As much as you, the reader, have felt the heaviness of this moment in America, our reporters and photographers are living it too. Like you, they are people and citizens who have been shaken by all of the dimensions of George Floyd's death at the hands of police, the protests, the riots, the tough questions that lead to raw conversation about our society, our biases, and our privileges. Way to romanticize riots. Wow. Okay. Thanks, I'm live. Um... So it goes on and talks about all these reporters are out and they're having to shower off uh, tear gas and they're having to, you know, take pictures of burning buildings. And, um, you know, it's 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 a lot of heroism that uh, is, you know, probably shouldn't be out after curfew. Uh, I'm not going to call you a hero. I'm going to call you kind of stupid. I would not be out as a reporter in that. Uh, you can take pictures of the burned buildings in the morning when you're allowed to be out. You can say, hey, rioters did this last night. Um, but it was your choice. You wanted that. Uh, so you you went in and you got it. I, I haven't seen a single one that has actually led to changes in conversation. Um, the mere fact that buildings are burning is fueling the conversation. The mere fact that there is so much... Looting and rioting going on. Is fueling the conversation. Not necessarily you reporting on it. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm live. Come on. Get off your high horse. Uh, they go on to say. Um, it's a daunting task. To show all sides of an extremely chaotic series of events. On her way back to our news hub in downtown Kalamazoo. After protesters had been dispersed. She saw the assistant police chief who in one evening had gone from kneeling with protesters to ordering tear gas deployed on them after curfew, and asked how he was. He was still choked up, Moore said. He said, I'm not good. I'm hurt that this happened. How do we show both angles of this incredibly dynamic moment? Dun dun dun. Well, they were out after curfew. Yeah, you gas them. Yeah, you tell them to disperse. Here's how we, here's how we, we, uh, show both angles is we show protesters when curfew is done, when curfew is down, the protesters go inside. Then the police can monitor everything much easier. That's what they're there for. So there you have it. That's the show for the week. So yeah, keep in mind the website, keep in mind, uh, subscribing, um, doing all these things, uh, gonna start figuring out how to send out newsletters on a semi-regular basis uh some feedback on newsletters would be nice like how often would you want them um so yeah send me that that'd be great uh now i get to go and enjoy the rest of my weekend uh, at work so that should be fun Deli- uh, order some pizzas from pizza hut grand haven uh i'll come deliver them to you just uh you know tip because otherwise, I'll have to break any caps. All right. I'm Thomas Fry. This is the Holmes Politicast, the fastest growing independent podcast in Michigan. And we'll see you next week.